Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast with me and my co-host, Chloe Bunter. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices we take for granted are out of date or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room in Pilates, and we're here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a fair few F-bombs thrown in. This show is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher. If you've been enjoying the show and you want to give back, give us a five-star rating and write us a glowing review on Apple Podcast app. That'll help other instructors find the show and let us know we're making a difference. In today's episode, Chloe and I talk about body awareness. What is it? And is it a good thing? Do we always mean the same thing when we say body awareness or do we use the same terms to mean different things and joe was all about the mind body connection what's that and is it a good thing or are we doing it all that and more coming up hi raf hey chloe (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it's been so long since i've seen you yeah it's been ages it does it feels like uh it's been a while since you and i have recorded a an episode with you and I. Yeah. With, this is the original lineup of the band. The OG, the OG wiggles are back. <laughs> hey, look, you're, you're the, red the, one, blue the blue one. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see us, you know what to do. Head over to YouTube. You'll you'll find our smiley, wiggly faces there. <laughs> you can watch us <laughs> as we wiggle. Um, yeah, nice to see you. This is, Likewise, this is fun nice to see you. See and hear you. Um, what's been happening, Raph? Uh, well, I've been very busy. I've been—I've taken a few weeks off recording the podcast because I've been writing a book. Mm. And what's your book about? It's—it's uh, it's called "Treat the Person, Not Just the Body Part," and it's about how to rehabilitate people and feel more genuine as a movement professional. Wow, that's really cool. How yeah. did it feel to write a book? Um, it felt like. Actually, I've been procrastinating on writing a book for a couple of years and or more, even more than a couple of years. And um, it turned out that really by just really focusing, I was able to punch out the whole thing in 17 days. Far out. How many yeah. pages is it? 250. Far out. Yeah. And did you do your, I'm guessing you're doing your best writing. Is it? Is it? Is anyone else awake in the world? It's like... Probably I was writing world, all, all the time, at all the times. Oh, okay. So not just your early morning, you were yeah. going for gold all day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that'll be, that'll probably by the time this episode airs, that'll be out and you're probably going to hear a little ad for it sometime in the episode. So, um, How exciting. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be available for the princely sum of $5 or princessly sum. That seems very- Prince personally um, sum. Are you, are you valuing your- <laughs> Do we need to have a talk about pricing, Raph? <laughs> it's a very uh, generous, generous offer to to the world. Well, it's really cool. Anyway, yeah, okay. so I'm pretty happy with it. I'm, in fact, I'm delighted with it. I've sent it out to a bunch of people to review, and they've given me some feedback. I've, uh, by and large, the feedback's been amazing. I've made some adjustments. It's with the editors now. It's being proofread and typeset and all of that. And um, oh my gosh. Adam said, Adam McAtee said it's a page turner. And look, I haven't read a page turner since Cage Lines. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm really Quickly looking push up. I'm really looking forward to this, Raph. <laughs> I need another page turner in my life. I okay. will be purchasing a copy of this book. It sounds phenomenal. Oh, you don't need to purchase it. Clean. No, I do. I do because I value you, Raph. I will be purchasing <laughs> this book. <laughs> um, Yay. That's awesome. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, should we get into our topic of the jour? Yeah, sure. Let's well, do it. I want to talk about, well, actually, we talked about what we're going to talk about, didn't we? I mean, we know what we're going to talk about. It's body awareness. The matrix. Oh, oh body awareness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm in one of those moods. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so. This is a really interesting topic to me, and we've discussed it a little bit off air, but 
not a lot. So I'd be interested to know, like, what you know, what what do you make of the the word, the term body awareness? You know, what does that mean to you? Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it's it's funny. I don't think about it a lot, to be perfectly honest. It's not something I. Th- think about. It's not something I really speak about, but I have noticed every now and then something that I might talk about would be proprioception mm-hmm. or the concept of proprioception, uh, which I do think we we talk about or maybe allude to quite a lot in the Pilates and movement stratosphere. It's really about, I mean, in its essence, it's kind of like that I can, you know, go for a walk or without thinking about which foot goes where or walk walk downstairs or upstairs without thinking about it. I can close my eyes and hopefully, you know, my, my finger comes to my nose or I can know where to point to my eye. I mean, that to me is proprioception. And I think sometimes we think about that concept um, when we're teaching a Pilates class and, it, you, you know, it's, I don't know how to say it, but it's like, you know those clients that are just moving sort of through space and then there's the, the clients who are maybe having a harder time with cues landing or kind of – does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, then that's coupled – then I think back, you know, I think earlier on in my teaching career I might have looked at that as potentially a lack of proprioception, right? Whereas now though I'm more likely to look at that as just someone learning <laughs> – Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, or so maybe you haven't given them the right cue yet. It, exactly. Exactly. So that's where I think for me, when I'm trying to explain it to you, it gets a bit murky. But I think that earlier in my career, I would have thought, oh, they need to build, aka, body awareness, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, that's what when I think of the word, that's what I think about. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well. And it, then, and c- oh, can I add in one more bit? I guess too, I'd probably flesh, when I was thinking about this topic and I was thinking about, you know, where do you see this mind-body connection on repeat? Well, you see it in the words of Joe Pilates. When you look at his literature, et cetera, there's a lot of it being shared um, on Instagram at the moment. There's sort of a resurgence of, of putting out some of his, you know, old um, press clippings and old um, pamphlets, et cetera, and he does definitely frequently talk about a mind-body connection, body, mind, soul, whatever that means, and sort of having a, 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 an inherent control over it and that's kind of what gives you superior powers. Yeah, I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've well, been he reading talks about some it a lot. He, mm. he, he talks about it a lot in Return to Life. And in your and in your health, I'm thinking. Too. Yeah, I haven't read that for a while. Yeah, oh, angry, <laughs> angry little read that one, Raph. <laughs> <laughs> Not a page turner, in my view. You sap, you saps. <laughs> Quote unquote. Um, it's an interesting historical document. It um, is an interesting historical document. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think if you teach Pilates, it's probably worth your while to read it mm. uh, once in your lifetime. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but but having said that, I'm starting just, you know, with some of the information you've sent me, there's this really cool thing that I was not aware of or a word I was not aware of called interception. Do you well, want to flesh that out a little? Yeah. Well, the, the reason I got interested in this topic is because I, I, you know, because of that, of what Joseph says in, in Return to Life, you know, that mind-body connection, he talks about it a lot. And he, and... In Pilates these days, I mean, when it's kind of when I'm scrolling through Instagram or whatever, you know, I frequently see people com- in the Pilates world because that's like 99.9% of my Instagram feed. Um, is I do some, I subscribe to some dog pages as well. I like dogs, but and also some weightlifting and yeah, pain science actually, crowd. Yeah, less less weightlifting and not really pain science on Instagram. I'm just mainly Pilates. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yep. there you go. And I've got your cat's page, and that's and a few dog pages, and that's it. Cute, cute. Um, Chloe and the cats. For anyone that's curious, could do with upping those numbers a bit. Anyway, continue, Raf. Um, so I, I see people. I see you know fairly regularly uh, 
and and it seems to be not like in any way a contentious topic. It's just kind of people mentioning it, you know, as part of something else that they're saying about talking about body awareness as as a goal, you know, one of the goals of you know doing Pilates, you know, bring like and 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 it occurred to me, you know, I I guess I never really felt. I never really felt a hundred percent comfortable with that idea, and I've never really thought about it a lot. But it's never sat right with me, and so I just started thinking about it recently, and I started thinking like, well, are we just, you know, like, are we focusing in on our body, like consciously focusing our conscious attention on our body sensations, and you know, thinking about where is my kneecap, where is my third toe, where is my you know, gluteus minimus muscle, all of that stuff. Like, is that actually, is that actually useful? Is it actually, is that what mind-body connection means? Is there, or is, you know, is is there some other possible interpretation of that? And so I, I delved into the literature and that's where I came across that term interoception, which is uh, what the, you know, no one ever uses it except researchers but they, what it means is your ability to uh, to notice bodily sensations. I often talk about somatic sensations, so sensations from your viscera, you know, from your or, you know, from your internal organs and so forth. Um, and so, so am I thirsty? Am I hungry? Yeah. Am I feeling hot? Am I? It's yeah. those sorts of things, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and or do I have a tummy ache? Or am right. I? Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and. So and there's so there's a literature on this and so I, I kind of and I'm, my interest is in you know in the as it overlaps with Pilates my interest is in you know, learning movement skills my interest is in um, reducing pain um, uh, and so I, I sort of delved into the literature on this and um, came up with some really interesting findings on interoception and it's it's so I think. You know, which we can talk about in a minute, but I guess the, the the place that I'm coming from with my interest in this topic is, I think that we're using one word, like or body, one phrase, body awareness, to mean a whole bunch of different things, mm. and I think that we say, okay, you know, oh, Chloe's very body aware, and what we mean by that is, Chloe moves, you know, well, she doesn't trip over things, you know, she, you know, when we say put your left foot on the foot bar, she puts her left foot on the foot bar, you know. Right, like. <laughs> yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's what I think we mean, yeah. Yeah, but I think we also mean, uh, in a different context, we mean, okay, everybody, let's consciously become aware of our body, and as you are, you know, pushing out on the carriage, notice what your shoulder blades are doing, and notice mm. what your blah 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 muscles are doing or whatever and 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 you know notice what your breath is doing and Mm. notice the sensation of the pressure of the foot bar against the balls of your feet and notice you know become aware of blah or you know so i think and and that is not the same thing right so perceiving the position of your shoulder blades is not the same thing as being coordinated and knowing the difference between your left foot and your right foot you know when or, you know, not tripping over the reformer when you walk into the studio. Mm. You know, those, those are not the same thing. One one of them involves conscious attention to a body mm. part. The other one involves non-conscious processes that include balance and coordination, mm-hmm. you know, which which are non... They're, 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 they don't happen in your conscious brain. Mm. Um, you know, so I think we mean different things by it. And and then there's this concept of... of mind-body connection that Joseph, you know, talks about a lot. And he never, re- I, I, you know, I can't recall that he really specifically describes, you know, how to attain it. <laughs> um, but, you know, that basically by concentrating on what you're doing with the exercises that you, you know, you you achieve that. But I guess I'm, you know, I, I maybe this is getting a little bit philosophical, but i um, I think like the you know, mind-body connection, we have this notion that it's the mind controlling the body, you know, like, and when we say the mind, when I say the mind, I mean the conscious mind, you know, your conscious brain controlling your body and paying attention to your body. And, you know, I guess that's definitely one way of interpreting it. But for me, like when I feel most connected with my body is when I'm like running 
or you know doing something where I'm working out so at a certain intensity that's hard enough that I actually can't think you know and conscious thought disappears and you just you you're having an experience and it's a f- fully embodied experience and you're not thinking about your body because you're not thinking about anything you're just there are you and to describing me, that's flow state connection. there yeah well yeah, yeah. well to me that's to me, a mind body connection right 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 which which we know was something well it seems that that was kind of where joseph pilates was going with it, attaining a flow state right. with his exercises and you know john howard Steele. Cage Line um, yeah. speaks about that so so beautifully and describes yeah. that so well in Cage Line, the, the yeah. flow state, right? And that that's something that we think, you know, people who love Pilates, and I mean it wouldn't just be Pilates, you see it with yoga, you see it with anything that you get, you know, practised and practised with. Yeah. You, you get that flow state and it's that for me, that flow state keeps bringing me back to something. Like, like it keeps, do you know what I mean? It hooks me in. I love the feeling of the flow state and I get it too in some moments with my run. My runs are a little challenging at the moment. I'm definitely deconditioned working on my work and on my fitness. But I had a run the other day and I had this brief moment where it went from this laborious, I'm going to die to this elation, you know, I was getting and it just felt easy. It felt light. It felt just, you know, you have that moment where it's just like, oh, this is this is awesome. And you want and that to go on. You want to prolong it. You want that to yeah. continue. Yeah. It's just the, it's such a great feeling. Um, and yeah, that's the, yeah. So there you go. Okay. So that's, that's what, how you think about mind-body connection. Well, I think, I think it's one way to think about it. You mm. know, I'm not saying the other way is wrong, but um, I guess, I, I guess, you know, what I'm really interested in, in exploring is this, the, the idea of of body awareness as a conscious activity that we, you know, we undertake. So you should just basically scan through our body mentally and, and notice, you know, sensations. Which and will hamstring flow state. Which, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And 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 in you know, and as you've you've read a lot of these studies as well on interoception and and so when they um, so there's a there's a fairly decent literature on interoception um, and uh, anxiety, actually. Um, and it's pretty well established in the literature that there is a relationship between interoception and anxiety. But um, so like in that people who have higher levels of, quote, body awareness also, you know, on average, statistically, tend to have higher levels of trait anxiety. Um, and but the the literature seems to show from what i've read that it's not just it's not the ability to perceive body sensations that's linked with with anxiety it's the conscious attention to body sensations that is linked with anxiety right so if i'm if 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 i'm basically 99% of the time i'm don't think about my body right but I notice when I'm hungry and I notice when I'm thirsty and I notice when my shoulder's itchy and stuff like that, but I'm, I never think about my shoulder. I never pay attention to my the sensations in my t- intestines. I don't scan through my body and, you know, perceive what's going on in all my muscles and whatever. It's like that is, that is not linked to anxiety. But if I'm constantly, you know, checking in consciously with all my body parts, that tends to be associated with anxiety. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and so it'd be interesting then if we think about the implications of that if someone comes to our Pilates class and then we're asking them to, and obviously this is not happening in my class because I don't teach like this, but I do know that there is, just putting a disclaimer up there, but um, I would have earlier on in my career, I probably asked everyone to be super conscious of things like how they're holding their back, how are they aligning their ASIS and their pubic symphysis. How are they, you know, they ensuring that knees are traveling over a second toe? Are they all of those things, right? And Mm. that would be constantly, they would be cues that would be constantly coming out of my mouth through that class. So I'm I'm pulling people out of potential flow states there Mm. and asking them to internally 
scan um, their bodies. Interesting. And I think that, that I'm sure, Raph, that this would flow into, and I used to do this too, um, when someone comes in and says something hurts, okay, got a sore low, low back, right, okay, um, sorry to hear that, blah, 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 you've done, done all that, right. How much is it hurting? Kind of like out of a one to 10. So we're really getting that person to really think about, you know, oh, God, okay, now I've got to, I've got to sort of, you know, <laughs> work out what scale my pain is on. And then during the class, I'm going up to them and saying, oh, how's that for your back? How's your pain now? How's your pain out of 10 now? So this is a, this is a similar concept we're talking about, right? We're talking about interception here. Intero- well, yes. Am it's I saying it right? Focus. Yeah, interoception. In- yeah. Interoception. I think yeah. I'm getting rid of the O in there. Interoception. Yeah. And so it, it's really interesting because when when you really dig into that literature, it's about attentional focus, and when you focus your attention on your body. Um, you know, that's an intero. That's part of interoception, or that's a kind of interoception. Gotcha. Um, and so, like I said before, there's a relationship between conscious attentional focus on the body and anxiety, but the, the relationship's not straightforward. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting and it's a bi-directional relationship, so it swings both ways. So for people who have chronic pain, there's a literature that says that body awareness training, you know, training that deliberately teaches people to focus on their body actually can improve pain. But... In a subset of people who have high trait anxiety and pain, focusing on their body actually can make the pain worse, right? So Mm -hmm. for people with pain, sometimes focusing on your body can actually make it better, right? Just just imagine... you know, you've got a sore neck or something, right? And you come into my Did class. you just see me rubbing my neck? I genuinely yeah. do have it. I've got yeah. it. I've got one of those headaches, you know, that kind of sits. It feels like you can palpate it exactly where it is on your yeah. neck. That's that's what yeah. I've got. And it kind of feels nice to do a little bit of a yeah. self-massage on it. So, well, yeah, just, sorry. Just, yeah. Just so I do. I genuinely have a sore yeah. neck. <laughs> right. Well, just say you're lying on the reformer or whatever the mat at the end of the session and we do a little, you know, body you know, relaxation exercise where you close your eyes and you breathe in deeply into belly and as you breathe out, you consciously relax your toes and then you, next time you breathe out, you consciously relax your arches and then you, they you know. Do that a lot in yoga. Right, and then you work yeah. your way up your body and you notice your body, you know, your, your calves of your legs resting against the mat and you notice how they're starting to feel heavy and then you relax. Oh, I'm getting really relaxed. Okay. <laughs> and all of that. And, and by the end of that, you know, for a lot of people, their neck's going to feel a little bit better. Right, because you, you've sort of let it go of that tension, and I don't yeah, know what the mechanism kind of, is, right? Yeah, but yeah. but that does help, right? Many people, but then there are other people, and it seems to be the people who have higher trait anxiety, who tend to on you know that tends to make their pain worse, right. focusing in on the body, and maybe that's because what they focus on is tends to be they focus in on the pain. I don't know. I mean, I haven't read deeply enough into the literature. But it seems that, you know, so sometimes conscious awareness on the body is helpful in pain and sometimes it's 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 a negative thing, you know. Right. And and there's quite a quite a, a real clear literature showing that distraction is effective for reducing pain, right? And so this is like, you know, crazy people who volunteer to be participate in like pain experiments and they go into the Laboratory. You'd want to be paid a lot of money, right? Like a <laughs> lot of money. Yeah, I want a I lot know. of money for that. Um, and then I probably still won't do it. <laughs> and yeah, so then they, in this, there's some experiments, like one I'm thinking of, they they basically put electrodes on people's arm and they stimulate them with a certain level of shock. Um, and they do that, you know, whilst asking them to pay attention to the shock. And then they do it under other another, another condition when they're asking them to do some kind of really complicated, um, you know, mental arithmetic or something like that. Right. And then each time they ask them how much it hurts and guess what? When you're distracted by trying to figure out the square root of 88 or whatever, it's, it's less painful. You know, the mm. same number of volts, you know is less painful. And they do they do the same thing with lots of different tasks, you know, like with, with cold pain and with lots of different things. Um, and so, you know, so there's a good, li- there's a strong, and I mean, there's even literature in, in, um, in cancer pain and stuff like that, post-operative pain, where 
people can be distracted by someone talking to them or, you know, whatever, and, and they request When, when I go and get a needle, I'm just like, talk to me. Yeah. And, and, they, yeah. and so the, the nurses get you in a great convo and just do their thing and you do, oh, oh, it's over. It's yeah. such a great conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally works. <laughs> yeah, so distraction definitely works. I mean, anyone who's yeah. had young kids knows that oh, yeah. distraction works. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. It works for adults too. That's the thing. Yeah. Is you know you can't you can't just say oh look a balloon. You know that doesn't yeah. work with adults. But <laughs> but you know asking them to do maths or talking about something they find interesting or whatever is does work with adults. And we know uh, also in um, just in terms of yeah. So in pain, it seems like you know there's this interesting kind of paradox or kind of. I'm not sure if it's a paradox or an, a U-shaped effect where basically if you focus in on your body and you know, become more aware of your body, for some people that makes it better, other people it makes it worse. Whereas for, it seems like very consistent in the literature that when you are distracted from pain, that makes it better. You know, okay. if you can take your mind off it and focus on something else. I mean, we all know this from our own experience, right? You've ever, if you've ever had pain, if you can get into, involved in a good movie or a good book or it's good conversation. The first thing I will do, to yeah. be honest, when I have pain, I don't like, like most people, I don't like being in pain. The first thing I try is distraction. Yeah. yeah. My go-to. <laughs> yeah. And so the more you focus on the pain, typically, mm. the, the more, the more painful you report it as. And and, you know, there we do have experimental evidence of that where people are basically, are, you know, they have an experimental pain, you know, they give them a certain number of volts or they stick their hand in an ice water bucket or whatever. And then they say, okay, just pay attention to the to the volts or pay attention to, to the ice or whatever. And then say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how painful is it? On another condition, they are, they say, hey, watch this, watch this comedy movie, you know. Yeah. And while we, do, and they say, okay, on a scale of 10, one to 10, how painful was that? And of course- yeah. When you're watching the comedy movie, it's less painful, you know. So, um, you know, and this is just kind of like common sense. Everybody's experienced this, I would guess. Yeah. Um, and so, all right. So, in the pain, in the pain literature, I think it's you know, I think that's interesting when it comes when it applies to us teaching Pilates because I think, you know, my perception is that the common assumption in Pilates is more body awareness, as in more conscious attention to body, is always a good thing. You know, and I just, I guess I feel like, yeah, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's good to kind of just be unaware of your body. Like if you think about like when you've had a really painful body part, whether it's your neck or your back or whatever, right? Like when, you know, and then you've totally got past that and it's just become not painful for you anymore, right? You're totally cured at one point, right? Well. Mm-hmm. For me, and I think for a lot of us, the realisation that that body part is not an issue for you anymore is when you realise like, oh, I haven't thought about my neck for a few weeks. Oh, like- uh, 100%. 100%. I had, I had a bout of um, acute back pain probably like, I don't know, two months ago now or something. It was in the, it was in the height of Melbourne lockdown and I was a lot less active than usual so I was a lot less active, but then I was teaching, you know, some back-to-back lectures where I had to do a heap of, all of a sudden, you know, I just jump on in and do a heap of backbends or a heap of whatever, you know, you know me in backbends. And um, and just a few things. And anyway, I, I don't even think it was because of that, that my, you know, I just was having a shitty time. And so I had like, I, like I'm talking back pain that I tried to move my reformer uh, into the other room, which normally I wouldn't even have to think about. Just pick it up and roll it. And I actually didn't have the strength to lift it. It was really unusual. It was quite confronting. I was like, holy shit, this is really painful. And anyway, I was like, okay, I know what I know about pain, et cetera. And it's natural history. It's going to come good. I just, and so I just kept having to kind of move away from catastrophizing about it because that was, you know, when you, when I felt like I'd lost some strength, that was a bit weird to me, but I just had to kind of step away from that and just kind of keep going. It's going to get better on its own. It's going to get better on its own. You're going through some stuff at the moment, et cetera. And anyway, went with that. And then I just remember one day just going, oh, shit, haven't thought about that back pain. It hasn't stopped me from doing anything. Um, I've been going into full interpretations of all the movements I've been doing or like just, I'm like, wow, it's gone. But I could have, you know, old Chloe would have really zoomed back before I 
you know, knew much about much. I would have really zoomed in on that. I would have catastrophized. I would have gone, holy shit, I can't even lift my reformer up. I've hurt myself. Go, gone and set, seeked help for it, et cetera, et cetera, and it would have been come, you know. Anyway. Hmm. Would have gone and got some low-value health care. Would have gone and got maybe a bit of, I don't want to alienate anyone here, but probably a bit of a spinal adjustment, a bit yeah. of a, Maybe you know. some dry needling. Some, some dry, yeah, I have had dry needling before. And, I, you know, have you had dry needling before, Raph? Yeah. It hurts, right? Yeah. It fascinated me that it hurt so much. And I remember the times that I have been given dry needling and the practitioner saying, oh, that's good. If it's hurting, that's great. Mm. Well, they're, I remember they're thinking, but I'm already, the, I'm already hurting and you're trying to hurt me more. <laughs> like, they're enhancing the placebo by telling you that, it's, that, that tells, that's a good sign that meant it's going to really help. I'm like, but it really bloody hurts. Anywho, anywho. Um, but, you know, instead yeah. I was just like, Meh, natural history, I'm going to yeah. be okay. I'm going to yeah. be. And guess what? Literally it just it just, dis- just disappeared. And yeah. I don't remember the day it disappeared because I just didn't right. think about Th- it. And that's the thing. Like, you know, our body parts that are non-painful, we just don't think about them. You know, when we was just, the last time you thought about your elbow or your, you, you know. You just don't. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> And, and I don't normally think about my neck except for the fact that it yeah. is a bit sore today and I've noticed that I'm doing a little bit of like, a little bit of pain behaviour here with the old yeah. rubbing of yeah. it and it's kind of like, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to touch on uh, a, you know, a couple of other topics around uh, body awareness, but, you know, since we've talked about pain and you know, maybe it's a good thing for some people to increase awareness of body and maybe for other people it's not. I reckon now's a good time to take a break. Hey, Chloe, welcome back. Hey, Ralph. I've enjoyed this discussion so far. So we're kind of talking about, well, we're not kind of, we're talking about what is mind-body connection mm. and what That's is body, body awareness, awareness yeah. and how and does is that it always relate a good thing? to? Is it always a good thing? And and where where if any does it have a place within Pilates? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to talk now uh, about um, motor learning, mm. learning, learning. You know, becoming skillful at doing a physical task, mm-hmm. um, and also physical performance, which is kind of similar but not exactly the same. Um, so something like, you know, basically a strength performance or, you know, like how strong, you, you know, how much weight you can lift or um, stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, I know that you know <laughs> that um, learning of movement skills is enhanced and there's a very solid l- literature on this. Um is learning of movement skills is enhanced by focusing on a point outside the body that is related to the result of the movement. Uh-huh, yep. And we, we've done a whole episode on this and we've probably discussed it in a bunch of other episodes. But, um, I th- you know, I think that is, you know, to me that's, that's also sort of interesting and paradoxical to this notion of body awareness because... You know, the very act of focusing on the movement of the carriage or the movement of the straps or the, you know, whatever it might be, you know, by definition takes your awareness out of your body. You know, so you're decreasing your body, your awareness of your body. Um, If by body awareness we mean conscious attention to your body. And in that, paradoxically, in attending consciously away from your body, your body moves more efficiently, more effortlessly, and more automatically, in other words, more skillfully, right? And you look more, if I look at you moving, I look, oh, Chloe's moving more skillfully. You know, she's moving more effortlessly, more smoothly with less conscious control. And I look at Chloe and go, oh, Chloe's very, quote, body aware. Look at how well she's moving. (laughs) Yeah, so you know where my... Oh, it's why I've got my, my thinking face on. When we think now about proprioception, so not interoception, but proprioception, okay, and we think about um, the external cue, and I'm thinking about something like a, um, I listened to this great interview on radio 
national or something, Get Sporty, which for those who aren't in Australia is, um, it, it's, it's, it's just a really great radio station that basically they do lots of interviews, etc. Would, would it be, how would you describe the ABC to someone who's overseas? Oh, it's, it's, the, it's the government radio station, federal, I don't think it's actually the government, it's like, you know, federally subsidised national radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, she was the interviewer, she was interviewing a, um, elite, uh, bow and arrow archer, archer, an elite archer, bow and arrow, OMG, my brain, um, an elite archer. Okay. And he held, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry, but he held the, I think one of the world records for basically how many times he has hit the bullseye. Right. And without talking about motor learning or without saying the words motor learning and how do you do the thing, she's ba- she basically just said to him, what are you focusing on? Like in that moment, in that moment, what are you focusing on? And he said, the only thing I am focusing on is the bullseye. That is the only thing I'm focusing on. And I was just like, oh, booyah, talk about- Bullseye. Talk about <laughs> external, bullseye, talk about external focus of control, right? And we also know too that for higher level learners, those who have been doing it for a while, that a further, a, a more um, distal focus, uh, external focus of control uh, is is better than um, for newer learners where a more proximal, closer to the body focus of control. So the more proximal would be, um, you know, he might be focusing on or the bowstring, exactly, yeah. bow like pulling the bowstring back. Ex- exactly. But what I'm also thinking about then, Raf, and this is where my little thinky face went on and was, which may or may not be captured on YouTube if you want to see what I look like when I'm thinking, um, <laughs> is basically proprioception so so you need some level of like he's focused on he's focused on the bullseye right Mm -hmm. but he he wouldn't be thinking you know he's got this level of proprioception of where he's I'm going to assume he's got you know where his hand is in space right like where he's you know how he's angling his body towards that bullseye Mm -hmm. so where do you okay so do you have to have a level a certain level of proprioception in order to learn well using external cues. And if you were lacking proprioception, and here I'm thinking something like we're getting into some nuance of maybe someone who's returning from something like a stroke or some sort of injury, like yay, nay, would we Would we maybe, is that where an internal focus of control and getting someone to focus more on that mind-body connection in order to build back up? I don't know. Yeah, well, in the, it's a really good um, question and the, I believe the literature on stroke is actually a bit mixed and does show that internal focus of attention can be beneficial in um, rehabilitating people after stroke, like teaching them how to walk again or eat or, mm. or whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, in the case of an elite archer or most other normal humans who had, don't aren't neurologically impaired, mm. um, you know, what happens when you consciously focus the attention on, on the bullseye is all of those things are still going on, like the proprioception, the awareness in your nervous system of the rotation of the trunk and the pressure of the fingers against the bowstring and the position of the shoulder, all of those things are part of... Um, the movement system and your brain is aware of them, just not your conscious brain. So his premotor cortex knows exactly where his fingers are and exactly how many mm. ounces of pressure is on the bowstring and every all of those all that information is stored in there, right? But it's not in his conscious brain. And so what the in that in that situation, what happens is the conscious brain is like the CEO. Right? It's like the conductor of the orchestra that says, hey, orchestra, I need you to hit that bullseye. Right? And then the orchestra goes to work and goes, okay, how much pressure do we need on the bowstring? What's the position of the shoulder? Where does the trunk go? All of the, you know, when do I breathe in? All of that stuff. Yeah. But the, 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 the conscious brain, the conductor's job is to just focus the, you know, the attention of the musicians 
on the result that they need to achieve. Yeah. And then the 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 premotor cortex and the motor cortex and all of those sort of non-conscious parts of your brain process all of that information. It's got, yes, you need proprioception, but you don't need to consciously proprioceptive and so i think that's the key difference and i'm that's uh, that's such a great question that you asked that uh, this is what i'm thinking about like in terms of body awareness okay so somebody who can fire an arrow and hit a bullseye the size of a 10 cent piece mm. like at 100 yards like and do that 15 times in a row it's like mm. that person's got fucking unbelievable body yeah. awareness right yeah. <laughs> right unbelievable yeah. body awareness yeah. because we're talking about you know, differences in pressure on the bowstring of like, you know, quarter of a gram or something yeah. one way or the other would make such a difference. Right? So that person has unbelievable yeah. body control and body awareness. But in the moment of actually performing that task, they are not consciously aware of their body, right? So wow. all of that body awareness is non-conscious. Yeah. yeah. How cool is that? It's fucking awesome, isn't it? It's so cool. You would have loved this interview. I'll have to see if I can find it. He was just brilliant. And Dig I just thought that that was his the answer. Yeah. The only thing he was thinking of was the bullseye. Yeah. yeah. And and we see that in so many sports like, you know, Cirque du Soleil athletes bouncing on a fit ball. They're just, you know, like, same. We see people focusing on the outcome of the of the movement. Um, the last, so, yeah, so in pain... Yeah, sometimes it does help to increase body awareness and sometimes it makes it worse. And there's this kind of paradoxical or two-way relationship between consciously focusing on body sensations and it, and anxiety. And, so, you know, some so consciously focusing on body sensations when you're not an anxious person might be a really good thing. And if you are more prone to anxiety, maybe it's not a good thing. Well, that's my... Maybe it's an oversimplistic interpretation, but that's what I get from reading the literature. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give me can you give an example Raf of so so we're talking about someone's in pain and oh do you mean like when we're going through the body or am I asking them to scan the sensations like how is their back feeling am I asking mm. them to be do you know what I mean like how in a Pilates class all right so I'll give you two examples so in a Pilates yeah. class like you say if I've got back pain and you ask me every five minutes, how's your back? Is your back hurting? Is this hurting your back? Well, I, I'm thinking about my back pain a lot more. It's the opposite of being distracted, right? Right, exactly. I'm focusing exactly. in on the pain. So yeah. the chances are that's going to increase my pain. Whereas if you engage me in like... But for oh, some you... people, it's not going to. Uh, no, yes. For that's some people, I'm... it's not going to. For some people, it's not going to. And I don't think scientists fully understand why it works, you know, opposite for some people but there is a hint in the literature about this um relationship with anxiety Um, and so this is the second example it's not really an example it's more of an illustration that the 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 literature seems to suggest that there's some kind of common mechanism at play in in anxiety and in conscious body scanning so when we consciously pay attention to like really subtle sensations within our within our body right like some of those things that we pick up like might be the same things that are basically the sensations of anxiety right because i mean when we have emotions right we feel those those emotions generally are are associated with some kind of physical sensations like if you feel excited you know you get butterflies in your tummy if you feel you know like there's 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 body sensations associated with each particular emotion for most of us, right? Wait, 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 wait. So is a butterfly interoception? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty much the coolest thing I've learnt <laughs> in a while. There you go. <laughs> hey, uh, interoceptive wow. butterfly, great name for our band. Interoceptive, the interoceptive butterflies. It's catchy. <laughs> Catchy. <laughs> wow. Cool. Okay. Um, Sorry, Raph, but that's so, cool. <laughs> so, so, you know, so, so emotions, you know, a lot of emotions tend to have body sensations associated with them, right? Mm-hmm. So when you say, okay, when you feel nervous, where do you feel that? Well, most people would say, oh, I feel, they could point to a body part. I feel it here, right? Right. Um, and for a lot of us, it's, it's in the gut, right? Or yeah. in the <laughs> chest or, you know. Um, yeah. 
in my sweaty up. hands or <laughs> right. my red so, cheeks. <laughs> yeah, and so there are body sensations. And so when we particularly pay attention to our bodies, right, mm-hmm. well, you know, butterflies, what are they? I, I don't know physiologically what's happening in your tummy, you know, when yeah. you have butterflies. But the, it's probably the case that it's just the release of some particular hormone or chemical or whatever, you know, at some point that triggers some receptor, that whatever. And so, you know, that that hormone, is its job is probably not just to cause that sensation of anxiety. It's probably got a lot of other jobs, right? right. It probably does a lot of other things. It's probably part of your digestive tract. And when you eat a fatty meal, it's released to you know, break down the fats so you can pass them across your intestinal wall, right? So it's, it's not just there to give you butterflies, basically. Right. It's there, yeah, it's, it's there. It, most, most of the things that we do in our body have multiple, yeah. you know, um, sort of purposes or we, we mobilise the same response in multiple contexts. Mm. And so if you just had a fatty meal, right, and you pay attention and scan your body, you might go, oh, I'm getting butterflies in my tummy, therefore I must be nervous, right? And so you can interpret that as a, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't consciously think that, but yeah. it's the same body sensation. And so, yeah, so that's my kind of, and it, you know, please any physiologist out there or psychophysiologist, neurophysiologist, tell me I'm wrong on this because I'm happy to be <laughs> corrected. Yeah. But after reading half a dozen studies on this, that's my understanding. Um, mm. So, yeah, if we focus in on those, uh, you know, super subtle sensations within our body, sometimes that can kind of, smudge the line between normal digestive processes and <laughs> experiencing av- aversive emotions. Mm. Um, okay. The, the, the last thing I want to just touch on before we finish up is just is just performance. Mm. Um, and, and we kind of talked about it with the archer, but um, there is there is you know very consistent research that uh, in a lot of sports, when you focus on when you focus externally, performance improves. And um, so, you know, there's there's a systematic review on weightlifting that found that basically focusing on moving the bar is improves performance rather than focusing on which muscles you're contracting or whether your back's straight or that kind of thing. Um, and there's one study that I love in running, which is really interesting because they tried three different foci of attention in this study. So people were running on a treadmill and they had them focus on three different things, either on their breathing, on their running technique, or they got them to watch a movie. Ah. Right? And they then they measured, uh, you know, how much uh, their running economy. So basically how much oxygen they were consuming, how much carbon dioxide they were breathing out and therefore how much energy they were using to run at a certain speed. And they were on a treadmill, so they knew exactly what speed they were running at. And so basically they they could measure how how efficiently they were running, right? In other words, how skillfully they were running, um, focusing on their breath, focusing on the running technique or watching a movie. And guess what? Watching a movie is the most efficient way to run. Yeah, Right. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Right. So, um, if you like to watch, if you like to watch the news when you run on the treadmill or listen to music when you're running, it's like don't feel guilty about it. Like just <laughs> allow yourself to be distracted. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely like music, but I must admit yeah. I haven't watched, haven't watched a movie whilst running. Yeah. Um, but when I focus, but I absolutely know that when I focus in on how my body's feeling whilst running. Um, it feels laborious for yeah, the most yeah, yeah. part. And uh, so I, I, I'm sure we – didn't we look at a study in an earlier episode where you basically fo- – or, or maybe I just – I can't remember. But anyway, basically I just try and focus on a, a point in front of me and have that as a goal to keep running to. And normally if I can just focus on that, then I can actually get to that point and keep yeah. running past it for the yeah. most part. Sometimes I psych myself out and I've gone, no, nah, I made it to where I said I would and I stop. But if I really am honest with myself, I can go to the next and then the next, yeah? Yeah. Ah, so interesting. So, okay, so looping back to Pilates and this mind-body connection and then we're thinking about, well, I mean, we can only conjecture what Joe Pilates meant. Who knows, you know? Like, really, I mean, who knows? He's not here to 
he's not here to yell at us about it. Um, so, <laughs> which I feel like he probably would yell at us. Um, I can I just imagine him need. thrusting the skin brush at my at my face. Oh, and going, brush yourself <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, like he just, you know, there's so much wrong with so many things in in that respect. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, I just. Oh. I think um, you know he he had some he had some ideas about some things didn't he? Um, so we can only conjecture, but I mean, when, as I said, when I when I my interpretation when I read Cage Lion, you know, and you talking to John Don't was that up. really push up um, <laughs> that it was really to do with flow state, yeah, to do with flow state, and I was reading it was really interesting. Um, there's some pamphlets being re-released at the moment or, or sort of shared, I should say, from Joe Pilates from back in back in the day. And um, he speaks a lot about kind of that's, you know, he was that society needs to attain this certain level of um, fitness and and pride actually in maintaining health and being strong and being those things. So I don't know to, I don't know what was going on here in his time. Um, but this one pamphlet I was reading is basically saying, you know, workplaces are looking for people that, that look strong, that look fit, you know, come in here and, and fix up your posture, fix up how you're standing and, and you'll get, you'll be more employable. And all of this, it's really quite fascinating. So, um, you know, I, I can only conjecture, does, does this mind-body connection mean that instead of being kind of take, perhaps he meant some sort of taking interest as well in mm, mm. your physical health mm. as a, you know, that it was something that is actually vital to living a, a good life. I don't know. I, I'm wondering if that's perhaps what's going on there too, is it's what actually a, not just taking idea. it for granted. Yeah. I've never I, I thought know. of that. I, like a broad, I, it's a broader interpretation of mind-body connection, and I really like it. It's like, yeah, you're aware, you're conscious about your health and your, you know, yeah. your physical vitality and well-being. It that just came to me this morning when I was reading this pamphlet, and I was like, ah, oh, I wonder if that's a, you know, what it's about. And you know, I could even apply that um, to myself and my own journey that I very much, you know, throughout my life have gone through great periods of being really, really strict with my fitness and, you know, feeling a million bucks, but very conscious of my fitness, conscious of maintaining it, conscious of where I'm at, you know, really. And then times where I've actually felt, and I would say that this um, last lockdown in Melbourne has been one of those times where I've actually felt a disconnect um, from my own health and my own fitness. Uh, and I have found that now coming back to it again, which by the way is fucking hard. If anyone else there is doing the slog along with me where you're like, yeah, okay, it's time to it's time to amp shit up again. Um I'm I am cheering you along because I tell you what I've had to have some <laughs> I've had to cheer cheer myself along <laughs> quite intensely at the moment. Um to and get get my little Fitbit, not sponsored, but um, you know, and do a few things because I Raf, I think I feel like I was so disconnected. You know, you put me in a Pilates class, get me moving. Someone would look at me and go, oh, yeah, she's got a great mind-body connection. You know, there's someone who's moving, like they are connected to what they're doing. But in fact, if you really, you know, sat down and talked to me, for the last however many months, I've actually felt a disconnect from my own health and my own fitness. And I've actually needed to consciously reconnect and consciously be uncomfortable. And, you know, they, you, I've, I've, Brad, um, shout out Brad uh, Matheson, who is a Breathe Education grad and awesome personal trainer. I've enlisted Brad and he trains me and puts up with my swearing and carry on each week. And, you know, I've been coupled over on the ground, honestly stopping myself from throwing up and just had to, you know, not, I'm not saying that this is something you have to do, but I'm just saying my own journey. I've actually needed to reconnect somehow with my health, my fitness, my body. Mm -hmm. As I, I've had to, I'm actually measuring my steps, you know, mm -hmm. because I was so disconnected from any of that. So I don't know. I think this is interesting. So for me now, I'm actually not in a flow state with things like 
doing burpees or lifting some heavy weights or going for a run or, you know, ensuring I 14,000 steps the other day, Raph. I was, and my, and my Fitbit sends me little awards and stuff, which has been like really cool. I'm like Fitbit's cheering me on. So I might get back towards a, an un- unconscious state with that. But at the moment, I actually have to be aware. For, this is just for myself. This is just, be, and this is because this is my goal. So I'm not saying all our listeners have to have a goal of whatever. This is just me and my personal goal of wanting to be feeling fit and strong again, basically. Mm. I don't know. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I, I hadn't thought about that at all, but I think now that you say it, I think you're 100% right. And I, that resonates with my experience as well. Like I I think that in our, you know, in this, in this age where there's, you know, plentiful access to high-calorie food and it's really easy to not do any exercise from one month to the next if you, um, if you didn't want to. It's so easy. Um, that... You know, to to be healthy, I think we all have to maintain some degree of intentionality about what we eat and and when and how we how we move, and because like humans, are, we're inherently evolved to spend as few calories as possible and eat as many as possible. You know. Yes, so, and yeah. isn't that fascinating? I listened to a great podcast about um, evolution of human beings, and that yeah, we actually evolved to conserve energy because there wasn't enough food around. So in fact, we're kind of like cats, cats, you know, we're kind of like, let's, you know, just stay still and relax as much as we can. Mm. So we actually have to make some conscious effort to get in enough movement. And, and, and we have, we kind of do have to do that. You know, there is a certain amount of movement we need to do in order to maintain a healthy physiological function, right? That just is what it is. And, and cognitive function. And, uh, well, I, well, I tell you what, my, my my mental health, I can, I can happily say my mental health is so much better now that I am focusing the actual, the, the focusing on my own health, focusing on my movement, focusing on my movement goals um, has had an astronomical effect on um, my happiness. I'm glad to hear it. Got a little spring in my staff again. <laughs> Yay. So, yeah, so if you're out there and you're needing to focus in on it again, just know I'm cheering you on. And if you ever need a, a, a cheer, slide into my DMs and I'll be happy to happy to cheer for you. Mm. And even if sometimes if you don't feel like exercise, I think we're probably, for most of us, we're probably evolved to basically never feel like it. <laughs> so Yeah. Sometimes you just got to do it anyway. Absolutely. Well, I woke up this Don't morning with a cranking headache and I'm like, you know, when you have that moment and Brad might be listening, you, have, you know, have that moment you're like, oh, I could just, I just cancel and they could keep the money and it's fine. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, no, like I did have that moment. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to flake. And um, kind of 10 minutes in, I'd forgotten entirely about my headache. I was just focused on getting through the tasks. <laughs> he needed me to get through. And I got I, the headache actually didn't come back until a couple of hours post-session, which was really nice. Bit of maybe exercise-induced analgesia there, mm. Raph. Mm. Yeah, felt great for a while. Awesome. <laughs> well, let's get you onto some upper trapezius strengthening for that neck. Yeah, we did. Don't worry. We did, uh, we did okay. a heap of that. Did a heap of it. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, so there you go. So hopefully we've given you, I think I think this episode was about a lot of food for thought, actually. Um, all of these concepts really got me thinking again and thinking about different ways of interpreting it and thinking about it. And um, yeah, I think that that will do it for the listeners as well. Mm. Nice to talk to you again, Ralph. I feel like, yeah, likewise, as I said, it's been ages. That was really enjoyable. Yeah, good talk. Thanks. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. 
And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.